I'm Paul Sutton, and this is Digital Download, the show where I talk to topic experts on digital marketing, social media, and public relations about the things that matter in today's communications industry. For many years, Meta has pretty much dominated social media advertising. In 2020, it made close to 86 billion US dollars from ads across Facebook, Instagram, Messenger, and its audience network. It's done so primarily because Facebook ads are easy to set up and because they generate results. Anyone can quickly set up a basic ad campaign using the ad manager or sponsored posts function. And anyone can, in theory at least, make money using them. That was until recently. Over the last six to nine months, there's been more and more talk among advertisers that Facebook just doesn't work like it used to. Both large-scale advertisers and small companies are reporting fewer sales and higher costs from their investment in Meta, with many now questioning where and how they're spending their ad budgets. Now, to find out why, you have to look no further than the ongoing battle between Meta and Apple. When iOS 14 was released last summer, iPhone users suddenly had to give permission for Facebook and other apps to track them. And in short, they didn't. So Facebook started to have trouble identifying target audiences, and over the last year this has gotten worse and worse. One of the great strengths of Meta's ads was always its ability to micro-target users according to very specific interests. You could almost guarantee that no matter what seemingly impossible small segment of the population you wanted to get in front of, you could reach them using interest targeting. But a recent study by North Carolina State University concluded that as much as 30% of Facebook interest data is now inaccurate or irrelevant. The context has gone. So while ad campaigns will still achieve impressions goals when based on broad interests, it's probably not much of a stretch to say that Facebook is now guessing who might be really interested. Hence, the increasing ad costs and falling conversion rates. This is something I've been increasingly observing. But my client base is normally smaller companies or relatively simple campaigns and I was keen to get the input of someone who deals with large-scale or more complex advertisers. Farad Kudaruth is the CEO of Three Pipe Reply and oversees all digital marketing activity. He started his own digital marketing agency, Blowfish, in 2005, focusing heavily on paid search, SEO and analytics. In 2013, Farad merged Blowfish with the traditional PR agency, Three Pipe, run by Jim Hawker. They'd been working on a couple of mutual clients and were both facing challenges around the SEO impact of the changing Google algorithm. By blending the digital skills of Farad's team with the creative content skills of Jim's team, the two were able to create a more compelling offer to make SEO work. But as he says, it wasn't all plain sailing. Didn't quite work that way, if we're being absolutely honest. Trying to get the skill sets of, of very different-mindedly people to work together in a collaborative way was was always a challenge and coming from two very different backgrounds and also the fact that in, in each of the businesses, the core businesses were relatively big and this was kind of a relatively new thing that we were starting to do. So 
the truth of the matter is, Paul, is we bought an SEO agency in 2016, which is how we solved the problem in the end. Then we bought another agency, a crazy agency, in 2018 to, to add on. So actually what we, we discovered over a period of time was to broaden out the services that we wanted to have while there were some things we could build organically and build internally. Sometimes it was easier just to go out and acquire and bolt on those things and actually get a much bigger team, much better degree of learning and skill set that had been purely built in those in those areas. In 2019, the business was sold to a large Italian technology company called Reply, and the organisation renamed to Three Pipe Reply. It now works as an autonomous unit within the group, collaborating with other technology units as and when needed. In common with other digital marketing companies, the business adapted social media advertising as and when that evolved. And due to the complexity of the clients 3Pipe Reply now deals with, I wanted to get Farad's take on what's been happening. Over the last year, I've seen the cost of Facebook advertising rising significantly. Now, that's not so much the case for reach in terms of the cost of reaching people, but it is the case when it comes to conversions, which might cost four or even five times as much as they did 12 months ago. I asked Farad whether this was something he was seeing among his client base. Yeah, I don't know about four or five times, but there's a significant increase and it's happened across all of our clients and it's happened to everyone. And there are some very key reasons for that. And I suppose it's always interesting when you look at data and you look at conversion data and and you look at all these things. The the biggest thing that's happened with, with Meta has been the iOS 14 onwards changes that they have, have made, which have basically done two things fundamentally. And those two things really are the ability to see any conversion on an iOS device has, has pretty much been removed. So you're not tracking conversions that you would possibly be getting. Yeah. The second, which people aren't picking up on so much of, is actually a lot of Facebooks or the lot of the way that the interest data or is powered on Facebook is also via third-party pixels. So the amount of interest data that Facebook is collecting is also massively declining. So you've got these two challenges going on simultaneously, right? One where you've got the visibility of your conversions are not really there anymore, particularly on iOS, where I think the last published data I remember looking at about the people installing iOS and blocking tracking is in the late 80%, right? So for all intents and purposes, it's done. And on the other side, the quality of interest data that you've got has radically diminished because the volume and the update of that information isn't in the same sort of form that you've got before. So what you're finding is that there are some, and this is really dependent on the size of the advertiser as well, but what you're finding is the approach that you need to take to Facebook is radically different from what it was before. There are some technical elements that you need to put in place that help you recover some of your data, not all of your data. So when you are tracking conversions, you are seeing part of what that, what's happening in that in that area. A radically different approach to how you segment the audiences that you target on the platform and how you group and aggregate data um, to feed the algorithm, given that the algorithm's now got less data going into it. And a real reliance or increasing reliance or importance on the role that creative has to, to play in, in the mix. And what we're finding is on the technical side, Facebook have released, a, they call it Cappy, which is a conversions API. And essentially what it is, is trying to replicate the old system of tracking with pixels 
by using a server-to-server-side integration. Right. Now, Cappy is, is interesting because it, it sort of partially works. It helps you recover some of the data that you're losing, but not all of it. Doesn't necessarily help you massively with the iOS problem. Cappy is, for those who are familiar with sort of Google language, has a sort of quality score to it. So the amount of data you pass through it can enhance the amount of data that it can push back to the, to the platform. So you need to almost do continuous work on this this system to try and get your score to a level where you're passing back the, the most amount of data that you, you can. So what you're finding for, for particularly smaller and less sophisticated advertisers, their ability to actually do and, and run some of the technical stuff or the costs involved in doing it, they're just not doing that yet. On the other side, I think there's been... Whenever I speak to Meta and Deesad about it, the, the the idea that Cappy is definitely part of a solution. I think they think it gives you more data on conversions than I think it actually really does. It means that your conversion data is really just a, a proxy, right? You are still going to be missing 40, 50, 60% of, of what's going on. Well, I was going to say to you, yeah, you, you've referred then to a couple of times of you can recover some of that data that, that yes. that's missing. Is, is that the sort of figure you're thinking of, sort of 40%? Yeah, I mean, we've seen different numbers for different clients. We have seen, in some cases, it be as low as the mid-20s and in some cases as high as the mid-50s. And that's partly to do with the with the implementation side of it, how good the implementation is, how much of your business is reliant on iOS is, is kind of quite interesting. The thing that that comes alongside is, you know, if you if you talk to, to anyone at Meta, they now talk to you about campaign structures that are about structuring for scale. Yeah. And, and what they really mean is they, in this new environment, to be able to feed an algorithm, need even more data. So they want you to do things that are broader so they can actually try and work out, based on this reduced amount of conversion data, what's likely to work or not. So what you end up with is this broadening of your campaigns. Now, there is definitely some resistance on the client side to doing bigger, fewer things because we've always been told in social you can be, you know, really micro-targeted. I want to target these 2,000 people in London that are interested in pencils or whatever the, the thing happens to be that they're interested in. And the truth of the matter now is that the way that the algorithm is built is that if it cannot find enough conversions for you on that segment, it basically remains perpetually in something called learning mode. And learning mode is really something where the algorithm is just going out, trying to find the right people, which means you're going to find that you're spending money in areas and places at a rate that actually the algorithm can never learn at because it's never going to get enough data, which is also then inflating your costs. So I I think that the the challenge really is if you are a niche, smaller scale advertiser that has been using social, uh, and let's talk about meta in particular, for a long time, your ability to get anywhere near what you would have seen in the past is is impossible. It's You're done, right? So um, particularly if you want a conversion track. If you're a larger scale advertiser where you can then start implementing some of the much smarter pieces that you need to understand the true impact of your advertising. So that's incrementality testing, understanding, you know, A, B exposed audiences over a period of time to, to understand what the genuine uplift of showing an ad for someone on Facebook versus not showing an ad for someone on Facebook is. That's one part. We're doing a lot of work with media mix modeling. So actually feeding that data into a more holistic system. The challenge with those things is you need to do them at a scale that's statistically relevant. 
which means you basically need to spend quite a lot of money over quite a prolonged period of time just to figure out, does it actually work? How much does it work? And those things tell you about Facebook as a channel. They might tell you about some of the bigger campaigns that you've got, but the micro niche stuff, again, same problem. Don't have enough statistically relevant data to understand whether that works or not. So I think that that's the, the framework that we're operating in. And the truth is that framework's about to come to pretty much everything else. Third-party cookies are disappearing from Google next year. Um, GA4 is coming along, which is all about sampling data. So Facebook's been hit hard and early, but this is a sign of the, what the next year for every single piece of your digital marketing that you do. Are you going to face a measurement challenge because the nature of, of third-party tracking is literally going to disappear over the next 12 months. So there is definitely a shift in thinking, not just about how you need to deal with social, but how you need to deal with the the more macro part. Yeah. The thing that I always find quite interesting is people have been reliant on Facebook's conversion data for a very long time. The truth is it was never real, real in the first place. If you look at the way that conversion tracking actually worked on Facebook in a siloed environment, attributing everything to its own platform, it was always overcounting in the first place. So now we've gone from a system that really overcounts quite significantly compared to what really happens to a system that really undercounts quite significantly (laughs) against what really happened. And that movement is the other thing that I think has caused people a lot of challenge. Let's try and unpack some of those things sort of one at a time. The first one that you've talked about a lot there, and it's quite interesting because I had a call from Meta literally just this morning before we were recording from uh, an ad representative for a client that I'm working with. And they were talking about campaign structures. Now, for this particular client, it's it's a bit irrelevant, but we, we won't go into that. But they were talking all about the sorts of things that you're talking about in terms of combining ad groups to make bigger audiences to start with. And that's effectively what you're saying is, okay, let, let's forget these this niche interest targeting. You've got to think differently in terms of – you've got to think of bigger audiences – And do you therefore have to accept that there is going to be a higher degree of wastage in your ads? And also, I I would add into that as well, pixel retargeting almost seems to be, (laughs) currently it's a thing of the past, you know, it it just doesn't work anymore. And it's a thing of the past for everyone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can't do lookalikes of that sort of stuff. So your, your audience targeting options on facebook seems to have gone down and down and down and now they are in my case they're they're calling me and saying look you need to do this but i know for specific clients it's just not it's not what they want to do i mean are they with this sort of campaign structure bigger targeting you know forget the niche stuff are they effectively shooting themselves in the foot here with smaller advertisers yeah I'd completely agree with that. The the challenge, I think, is that if you go back to... If we start with the the, the kind of thing that we're talking about, which was really that conversion is the objective that we're using from, from a pixel point of view, it's that conversion data that's really disappeared. So to do anything algorithmically, you need to have enough conversions to basically give the machine enough stuff to go and find the people that it needs to go and find. So if you are a small scale niche advertiser, and you do not have big enough segments to get you to that that number, which is about, I think it's about 50 in a month for each campaign that you, you happen to be running. 
you are going to find that you're perpetually going to have a problem in terms of being able to run a, a conversion objective. The reality probably is going, well, actually, if I want to advertise in that way, then I need to be thinking about running my advertising using a different objective, right? I can use reach, I can use landing page views, I can use something else to keep the tightness of my audience that I know is my relevant audience, but actually change the bidding objectives to make sure that I pay a more reasonable price for the traffic that I'm getting, knowing that actually my conversion objective is no longer going to work for me. So you can buy that stuff. The, the thing I would overlay on top of that a bit, though, is going, doesn't really matter so much because your interest level data in any segment is reducing quite rapidly anyway, right? So that's going to be a challenge. And there are, again, there are some third-party data providers that are basically building new data segments that you can buy and import into Facebook. Okay. But it's additional work and it's additional cost, right? So you're adding another 10 15% to your media cost for every campaign that you run now just to get better targeting at data at the front end, which we've done a lot of and works quite well, but you've got to balance the, you know, the cost and, and the other pieces underneath it to, to make that work. So that becomes a challenge. Targeting pixels are, are finished. That last statement will come as something alarming to many listening to this show. For many years, advertisers have relied on the ability to target social ads at people who visited their website or viewed specific products. And it will come as a big shock when this disappears completely. But it's now just a question of time before pixels are of no use anymore. And without that ability, there will only be one way of advertising to those that know your business or of building lookalike models of those people. And that's via CRM data. What we're finding with clients increasingly is over the next 12 months, we are spending a lot more money on data acquisition, data hygiene, cleaning up their data to try and actually make sure that between the combination of first party data that they actually own that we can target against and third party data that we're bringing in, we are rebuilding some of those targeting capabilities to the front end. And again, Nowhere near as good as what Pixels would have yeah. done for you. <laughs> Nowhere. But that's, you know, the environment that we've got to, to work within. And then understanding how we actually run different objectives for different campaigns. So for us, it's already fairly standard that we are running separate campaigns for iOS devices that do not use conversion targeting okay. because we know there's no point doing it. And we, and we you know, if you look at some of the clients we've got, we know iOS is the best device. So why would we want to be running a conversion objective campaign that can only see Android conversions that will only ever spend my money on Android <laughs> devices when I naturally know that actually that's the worst thing I could probably do because it's the only data the machine can, can see. So I, I do think for you know a lot of the smaller guys, they are, if you haven't got decent first party data that you can model off, and you know, you're talking about tens, hundreds of thousands of records to be able to do a match rate that becomes sensible for you to, to work from. So if you don't have that, you've got a problem. If you can't get third party data in, at a niche level relevant enough to you, you've got a problem. And so actually your usage of, of Facebook or, or Messer, I always get the <laughs> I think we always will. <laughs> you know, so if you're a certain generation, you're going to be treating the platform, I think, much more of as a old-fashioned advertising platform, which is I have got an audience of people that I want to show a message to because I think these people should respond to my mm. message. My ability to measure that message cleanly and attribute it back down to an individual is pretty much zero. So then I need to figure out how else can I measure that? And that's going to be by looking at indirect forms of measurement, such as incrementality or MMM, which 
both have barriers if you're too small. So there is definitely, you know, uh, a sort of thing that says at this moment in time, if you're a small advertiser, you better figure out how Google works for you. Yeah, no, yeah, I totally agree. But like you say, that's only a probably a matter of time as well. But for the meantime, yes. Yes, it's coming to Google. Google already said they're restricting third-party cookies by October 23. Google Analytics no longer works properly because of the amount of third-party that's being blocked. So GA4 is, is going to be rolled out. Current GA is being sunsetted in 23 uh, July, I think it is. And so you're going to have sampling in all your Google data as well. So the, um, the, like I said earlier on, the Facebook's been hit hard and bit been hit early, but it's coming to absolutely everybody and absolutely everything that you do. And Google have probably got a little bit of a better solution because it integrates with GA better from a, an AdWords point of view and, and tying your data together. So it will feel less like you're losing stuff. But you are then obviously giving Google all of the data to model what they tell you is happening. And so if you think that Google aren't going to tell you that Google is doing better than Google really is, I think you'd probably not be very surprised um, to find that I think that's going to be the case. So I think that's going to be a challenge for for absolutely everybody in terms of learning how to measure everything that they do differently and properly is going to change radically from the from the stuff that they've seen seen before. And I, I describe it to clients as, as, as pretty much this the era of being able to identify that a user did something and that resulted in a conversion and tie that whole chain together across thousands and thousands of people is over. You will no longer be able to identify at an individual level whether somebody committed that transactional action that you wanted them to commit or not and use that data to, to really kind of target going forwards. So you need to think about groups and measurement of groups and actually more traditional ways that advertising might be measured around influence and sales uplift and brand uplift and all those other things will come into play for digital water. And do you think that is a permanent shift now? I mean, when you say the age of doing that is over, I mean, are you talking the end, full stop? Yes, it's at the end. All of this stuff is, I think there are two competing battles going on. The first battle is the big platforms are petrified of probably particularly what the European Union is going to do more so than anyone else. <laughs> around privacy yeah okay so you've got a lot and where everyone's talking about this now is going we are launching a bunch of privacy compliant measures um to avoid then needing to be national or supranational legislation that will make our lives even more difficult so you've got gameplay number one which is to an extent true i think you've got gameplay number two though which is each of the platforms has a different reason or rationale which is to their own commercial benefit, with the exception of Meta. So Apple obviously have the fact that they've always been quite privacy first. They've been the first people to kind of go uh, down this route. Advertising is not a big part of their business. However, the app uh, Apple App Store ads is probably the fastest growing advertising platform on the planet. Okay, Its biggest competitor was Facebook for app installs. So guess what's happened on Apple since they've uh, announced these changes? It's gone from one in five ads on the App Store being installed via a paid ad to two in three apps on the App wow. Store being installed via a paid ad because Facebook is no longer a viable option for app install campaigns at all. So you've got gameplay number one. So gameplay number two is Amazon. Well, that's a closed ecosystem pretty much anyway, so they couldn't care less. <laughs> they're absolutely fine. So they're not saying saying anything. And obviously the amount of money flying to Amazon and Amazon ads is, is huge. Google... Is, is kind of a bit more interesting because 
for Google, what this play for, for privacy really means is, and if you've logged into AdWords or played with, with the new sort of products, that they are doing a very, very good job of making data less transparent and making everything more automated and more algorithmic, which means your ability to control your costs in your campaign and see the level of data that you used to see is about to be obliterated. They are also then able to change the mechanic by which data is countered. And again, you know, I said Facebook tracking was never really in the first place, neither was Google Analytics, if you really understood how it worked. However, your ability to unpick what the machine did for your GA, you always had that ability. You won't be able to do it anymore. So for Google to mark its own homework and mark it better than it really has been doing in the past, it's a distinct possibility now, given Google's business is still predominantly advertising. It's not, it's to their interest to actually make sure that that architecture kind of works. So the only guys that really end up getting shafted are Meta because they don't have an analytics product that people really use. They have a, a tracking system that's built on a whole bunch of leg- what we call now legacy technology, as does all of their conversion tracking architecture. So, you, you know, you look at all the games in play about taking ad revenue and Meta are the ones who are going to struggle the most because they do not have a framework of other things that allow them to compete either via a closed ecosystem or they are the ubiquitous um, analytics platform for absolutely everybody and can tie their data together in the same sort of way. So when, once you start talking to Meta about, you know, outside of campaign structure, structure for scale, and you start talking about bigger advertisers, they will again tell you that the answer is about incrementality and, and MMM because they don't really have a way of trying to show large scale advertisers the value of advertising without being able to measure it in more traditional forms, how you might measure TV, for example, or radio or outdoor, because that's the measurement architecture in, in how you buy Facebook going forwards that you're going to have to think about when you put it on a media plan, because it's going to look and feel from a measurement point of view, much more like traditional advertising with a little bit of conversion data to help you point in the direction of this creative is probably a little bit better than that creative. And this big audience is slightly bigger, better than that big audience. And these 20 locations are probably slightly better than, than these, these 20 locations. But that's the level of data that you're going to get is actually the probability that this stuff is slightly better than that stuff is what your you know conversion level data will look like. And that's at scale. When you're not at scale, it's going to be virtually nonsensical because it, none of it's going to be statistically relevant to back anything on. Farad makes a very strong case for getting to grips with Google Ads and switching budgets away from Meta in the very near future. But advertising on Google is very different in terms of the intention of the recipient and the way you can target. The beauty of Facebook and Instagram ads was that you could micro-target audience of users with specific audiences when they're in browsing mode. Small repeated exposures that nudge someone towards an action. Google, on the other hand, is about advertising to people when they are actively searching for something. What it used to call the zero moment of truth. Simply replacing Meta with Google, therefore, doesn't quite work, as they're not the same thing. So what are we really talking about here? Google's display network? If you look at some of the newer formats around discovery ads or performance max campaigns, where they're integrating multiple format types, those are the areas that there's some experimentation that people are going to have to do. Again, it relies on automation and a huge amount of automation. But because Google is going to see more data, than Meta ever is going to. Your ability to try and make some of those things work is is possibly there. But your ability to do that, again, for niche, 
is going to be challenging and problematic without buying Google in a much more traditional, narrow way, which to be fair to Google, the the buying methodologies that are still more, let's call them more manual, still work, still work well, still can be targeted much more precisely, don't have the same algorithmic problems that, that Meta seem to have. But there isn't really an alternative to, to Meta in, in terms of the way that it works. And people can start talking about, you know, TikTok and Snap and and the others, and okay, we we both know that there are format differences and audience differences, but the conversion tracking problem is going to apply in the same way to those guys as well, yeah. right? The reality is they're newer platforms, so it's less of a thing. People have used them much more for brand anyway. TikTok much more for for kind of influencer content and direct measurability into GA is slightly different when you do that 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 type of stuff. So it, it's it's not like you've got a, a any platform or any channel from a digital point of view that you can go to and go okay, I can do really cool segmentation with data um, and get it really niche and I can track the performance of that to an individual level. That's, you know, there isn't an alternative there and there, and there never will be one again. So this, this is going to sound quite dramatic, <laughs> but if we take aside the large-scale advertisers for a moment, so park them off yes. because those sorts of people can work with the likes of you and put big technical campaigns together. So let's park those and let's focus on the other 80% of smaller advertisers who've made the bulk of the advertising business with Facebook. If you focus on them without any targeting options, without any conversion data, with the higher technical expertise needed to run these campaigns, do you think that for many companies and brands now, Facebook ads, and maybe broader than that, social ads, as we know them, are dead? Yes, I do. I I think for those guys, what they will need to do is understand that running anything on a conversion objective is now just a waste of time, that Although there is interest data in Facebook that makes their audiences smaller, it can still be used. If they can afford to bring in some of the third-party stuff, then then they should do that. But they should be looking at campaigns that are about driving people to their landing pages, driving people to to click, explore their content. The, the biggest lie that everyone's ever told is that the internet is transparent and everything tracks properly. There's always been issues with, with tracking stuff. Facebook's overcounted because of its ecosystem. There's always been people blocking cookies to a certain degree. So everything you've seen has always been underreported a little bit here and there. The building your own picture of what is happening within your business outside of some of the tools that you're given to kind of give you a linear picture, I think is the piece of advice that I would kind of give to, to everybody is stop trying to think in linear directions and start trying to understand that advertising really is about influence. Google is what's broken this for everyone, right? see a keyword, click a keyword, convert on a keyword. Google is one tiny sliver of, you know, what our, our exposure to media actually happens to be. And it works so well because it's almost always the last sliver of what we are. We attribute more value to it because it's the last thing that we do. And it's penalized all of advertising. So for me, there's a piece of going, there is a little bit about going back to being a little bit more traditional and understanding the impact of influence. And how do you build measurement, even if you're a small business, to understand the influence that your advertising is having on your overall business, rather than trying to get down to the granular, you know, this campaign got a CPA of 12 and that one got four and this creative is is 
you know, CTR is 0.1% better than the next one. That stuff is going to be indicative data about what is happening. Take it as such as indicative about you're making the right choices in the right directions. Improve the indicators by getting a better CTR and a better visible CPA for the data you can actually see. And then look at your holistic business and see what's happening with that to then understand how you do those things in symbiosis with each other, because that's going to be the only way. There's one thing that's probably easier for these advertisers than it is for, for other people, which is they're very unlikely to be doing a lot of other advertising activity outside of the meta platform, right? Yeah. The bulk of their money is in this platform. So actually their measurement architecture becomes a little bit simpler, which is going, is my business growing? Am I getting more people come back to my site on repeat visits? Are more people searching for my brand? Am I seeing more conversions from organic search and, and direct? Can I map my spend in social to what I can actually see as an uplift in stuff that traditionally I would go, I can't track this stuff. And is it, are you seeing that impact there? So actually using more macro indicators to understand whether your campaigns are working is where they're going to have to go. And for those advertisers where, like I say, Meta is the only or by far and away the biggest platform, do I think you could still work out a, a methodology that gave you a 70 to 80% probability that this stuff actually works and this stuff doesn't? Yes, I do. It's just you've got to connect more disparate dots yeah. to, to really get that into play. If you can't do that, then yeah, I think you've got a problem. Many thanks to Farad for his time. Look him up on LinkedIn or Twitter. You can subscribe to Digital Download on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the show, please do leave a review as this helps others discover the podcast. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.